0: All right, good morning. Uh, Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 3. Uh, 1 Samuel, chapter 3. Now, we're going to be looking this morning uh, at grace and mercy. We'll be looking at the genuine form of it, and then we'll be uh, focusing on the the counterfeits that exist today of grace and mercy. And as Christians, it should come as no surprise to us uh, that the real deal and the counterfeit exists. We have an enemy uh, named Satan. He is a deceiver and a liar, so for him to generate... A dodgy knockoff of something very good uh, suits him all the way to the ground. Uh, so we're going to be studying that this morning. I'm going to read you a familiar story. I expect most of you will know it. It's about a, a young boy called Samuel uh, living, living in the tabernacle. Uh, and he, the tabernacle has been led by a man named Eli, who is the high priest. Uh, and one night, when everyone has gone to sleep, uh, God speaks to that boy Samuel. So let's pray, and then we'll read, and, and we'll begin. All right, we give you thanks, our Lord and our God. For this good day that You have given us, uh, to come and gather in this house and to sing Your praises, to offer You prayers, uh, and to offer you, offer you our worship. Lord God, we wish to now uh, hear from Your Word. We ask that You would speak to us through Your Holy Spirit and through Your, your wonderful Bible. Our Lord, teach us this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And the Bible reads in chapter 3. Read with me from verse 1. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was and Samuel was laid down to sleep that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I, for thou calledest me. And he said, I called not, lie down again. And Samuel went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called unto Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go, go. Lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel answered, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Now, if you're like me, uh, and you grew up in church, you've probably heard this. This story about God calling Samuel before it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic story. It's not just one that people made up because they thought it would teach good lessons. That actually happened uh, and was recorded. And there's, an incredible, there's a lot of incredible applications we could make here uh, about how you know, God, God calls you, but then He waits till you respond before He tells you more. So God doesn't lay the whole thing out. He'll just keep tapping you on the shoulder. And it's when you respond that He will then tell you more. Uh, but if you're like me, then normally that's where the sermon ends. It, it pulls up stumps here. Uh, at, hey, if God calls you, you need to listen. Uh, And so if I said, you know, pop your hands up, uh, if you know the story, probably everyone would, if I said, pop your hand up if you remember what God wanted to tell Samuel. I usually only get about half the hands in the room. I've tried it out at school before. Uh, The sermon doesn't normally go that far. And it's easy to see why even Samuel himself did not want to share what God had said when Eli asked him the next morning, hey, How'd it go? Because obviously Eli's been woken up three times the night before. He'd be aware that his fourth time was the charm there. Uh, And so he hits up Samuel and says, what did God tell you last night? He even hits him with a threat and says, let God do to me and moreover, which basically means let awful things happen to you if you don't tell me exactly what God said. And so Samuel told him. Uh, And God's message to Samuel was just a reminder uh, that God was going to kill Eli's son, Hophni. Uh, and he was going to kill eli's son phineas and god was going to kill all of their descendants and their descendants descendants none of them would ever get to be old men because god said i guarantee you i'm going to kill them before they get there more to the point uh can you can you let eli know they're all going to be impoverished their entire line if his descendants are still with us today they are poor they are not wealthy he said they will beg for money and for bread That's what I'd like you to know, Samuel. So you can understand why Samuel wasn't so keen the next morning when Eli said, what did God just tell you? Uh, Now, that message wasn't new for Eli. God had actually already told him that uh, from the words of another man, but he wanted him to remember. Uh, And uh, you can see, I mean, obviously my first question would be, what did he do that would lead to such a horrific thing? I can't think of anything worse to tell an old man uh, than this is what's going to be coming to everybody related to you from now on. Uh, but read with me in verse 11. It says, And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at, both, at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. And he restrained them not. How did we come to this horrific consequence? Well, God had given Eli a position of authority over the tabernacle, uh, but his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, who were under his authority, they had been doing despicable things. And the Bible tells us that Eli restrained them not. He didn't stop it, even though he was in charge. Uh, his boys would make anyone who came to give an offering to God, uh, what they'd do is they'd make, they'd make the people give them the prime cuts first of all the meat. And then if anyone said no, they'd take it by force. So if it was your first day at the tabernacle, you're bringing in a lamb to offer to God, and they come out and they say, all right, nice lamb. Ooh, ooh. Yep, yep, that's, that's good. Okay, tell you what, mate, we'll have the, the cutlets, we'll have that leg, that leg, anything left, we'll chuck it on the altar for you. How does that sound? And if a bloke said, hey, 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 this is for God, they would say, oh, you, you don't understand us. We're not asking. We'll be taking that. And if you don't like it, then they'd sort you out at the temple. Uh, and you can understand uh, that... that People, people didn't like that. Uh, in fact, we read in chapter 2, verse 17, it says, "...wherefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord." They didn't want to give to God because they knew these blokes were just taking tons of the meat that they were offering and they'd either be selling it or eating it for themselves. They were basically enriching themselves off everyone coming to give an offering. Uh, And people loathe giving to God now. And these lads, it goes on to today, they they were basically the television evangelists, the television preachers of their day. Uh, So, you know, they're the Kenneth Copelands, they're the Creflo A dollar of 1000 BC. Uh, When your unsaved rallies or mates figure out that you're tithing to church, they actually assume when they hear that, I've seen people's nose wrinkle up, and they assume you're getting scammed and ripped off by those blokes using church and giving as a way to make money. They think you've been taken in by a con artist that tells you that if you just send $10,000 to Josh Avenel Ministries, you can have the blessing of God on your life. And they assume that's you, and that's what's happening to you. One of the qualifications of a pastor is that he is not guilty of filthy lucre. But these lads were, and it was going down under Eli's watch. And it got worse. Eli's sons, the priests, were also, and I'll try and put this as delicately as possible, they were... They were picking up the women that gathered at the front of the tabernacle, which is probably the poor women uh, who, well, you know, people do it to today. If they're poor and they've got no money, they come down here and they say, I, I don't have any food to feed my family. Can you help us out? And so these poor ladies would come to the, the front of the tabernacle and you could they, they got plenty of meat in there now, uh, but it was going to cost you. It was going to cost you. And Hophni and Phinehas would be the one uh, who, would, who would pick up these ladies so they could gratify their lust with them. And what did Eli do with all this going on under his watch? Well, he, he gave them a lecture. He gave them a lecture. He nagged them. Turn back to chapter 2 with me. Come back to chapter 2 and let's read in verse 22. Let's read in verse 22. And the Bible reads, Now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto all Israel, and how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he said unto them, Why do ye such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. Ye make the Lord's people to transgress. If one man sin against another, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto the voice of their father, because the Lord would slay them. But that's, that's actually where it ended for Eli. He did not follow that up with any action uh, to stop them. Now is the time for Eli to show some some genuine grace where he puts aside the desire of his flesh, which is, I don't want to deal with this. This is my son's. This is embarrassing. I I just want it to go away. Uh, His flesh just wants to leave it alone. He doesn't want to have to have a big scene where he fires his boys. His boys have been committing adultery. That's actually going to require the death penalty. Uh, This is going to be a huge deal for Eli in his old age to deal with. He he just doesn't want to do it. Um, so, So what he does is he just... He just does nothing. He doesn't nip it in the bud. Uh, And I call this the mercy and grace of Eli, because some people would look at that and say, "Well, it's his boys. You know, he doesn't want to go too rough on them, Uh, and so he just lets them get away with it." Uh, He takes the merciful option. He doesn't punish his sons. He takes the graceful option, where he just keeps giving them chance after chance after chance and lectures, but he does nothing to them. And I just want to submit to you this morning that what Eli is displaying there is not genuine grace and is not genuine mercy towards his boys. Certainly it wasn't merciful and gracious to all the people that came with their lambs or all the ladies that gathered out the front of the tabernacle. Uh, It's false grace and false mercy. He just lets it continue under his watch because that's easier for him, for Eli. Now, if you're here today and you're a parent, I I expect some of that would resonate with you. Uh, And if you're a teacher, I'm sure it does so doubly. Um, Something I discovered very early on as as a parent and a teacher is that the constant pull of my flesh is just to not deal with things you know when you lay down on the couch and you relax and then you hear one of your kids scream and you're like oh i don't want to get up and deal with this i don't want to go and find out who it was and take the time to discipline these guys uh now you do it and it reaps fruit which is nice because then for a while everything's peaceful in your house Uh, but then you get a bit slack and then instead of getting up you just yell out of your kids cut that out Uh, oh, you know, if you do it again, I'll get you, you know, like like being merciful to their repeated crimes. But actually, you know, it's just making things worse and worse. And you've actually got to get out there and do something. In my spirit, I know consequences are a blessing to people under my responsibility. But in my flesh, uh, that's hard for me. This is going to take time. I'm busy. I'm tired. I, I, I just don't want to deal with it. As a teacher, you also got to think, okay, how likely is he to go home and tell his parents, his parents are in the principal. Uh, how much grief do I want to go through? Is, is this actually going to be worth it uh, for me? And as Christians, we have a ready-made, spiritual-sounding excuse when these situations arise, which is, oh, I think I'll just show grace and mercy in this situation. Uh, I think I'll just let them get away with it. But that's not God's grace, and that's not God's mercy. Uh, God's grace costs God something. God sacrifices so that others may be blessed. Uh, whereas that type of grace and mercy is just your flesh getting what it wants. Uh, our flesh not wants to not deal with it, so it's the easy way out. It's not God's mercy that restores the repentant. It's a false mercy that lets us derelict our duty, despite the effects it has on those under our charge. False mercy and false grace costs others and lets you off the hook. It's loving yourself by doing what is easiest for you right now. It's kicking the can down the road for somebody else to deal with later on instead of doing what's best for them in the long term. True grace and mercy is based on love, and love is an action that puts what's best for others at the forefront. And this isn't just an Old Testament principle. Uh, You find it all over the New Testament as well. In Hebrews chapter 12, we read uh, in verse 6, it says, For whom the Lord loveth... oh, he loves someone. What's he going to do for them? Uh, He chasteneth. What does that mean? Uh, Well, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. It means to, to physically beat. Uh, to to smack with a stick. Uh, And it says, If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. So what the the Apostle Paul was referencing here, he's referencing a situation where a very wealthy man in Middle Eastern society would have one primary wife, and the kids that came from the primary wife, they were heirs, particularly the firstborn lad. And the heir is going to take over your whole family business and everything you got running. Uh, now, you'd also have other ladies, maybe second-tier wives or concubines. Uh, you'd have a whole harem of those. Uh, and the kids that came out of them, they weren't your real kids. they uh, I mean, they were yours, but by the time you're stacking up to 50, 60 kids, you can't even remember their name. Right? So you hear someone screaming, you see someone's doing the wrong thing, you look out. And it's one of the bastards, one of the, not the main tier children, but one of the second tier, third tier, fourth tier. And so are you going to deal with that? You can't be staffed. They don't even know his name. is. Like, ah, we'll leave it. But if you look out and that's your number one son doing that, you're like, right, I'm not having that from my real boy. This, this guy, he's, he's my hope. He's where this whole family is going to be given to him one day. And so you take him and you deal with him harsher than everybody else. He gets more training. Why? Dad loves him. And dad knows where it goes if he doesn't get disciplined. And God's the same with us. So as Christians, you get away with a lot less. Uh, we, we should avoid sin because we love God and we love Jesus, but at our very minimum, you should avoid sin because you're more likely to get caught than everybody else. Uh, God wants you to get caught and to experience consequences, and He does that for you because you're His child and He's not going to let you get away with it. So you have less chance than the unsaved of getting away with things. Uh, God is stricter with us than He is with unbelievers. Why? Because he loves us like a good father. And and what this means is when you have students or when you have children under your charge and you choose not to bring those consequences, you say, Oh, I think I'll just show grace and mercy this time, but actually you're just letting them get away with it. You're not actually treating them like a son or a daughter that you love. You're treating them like a Middle Eastern bloke that doesn't care what that bastard does. And that's not how God would have us to be. They're not worth your time or your effort or your genuine self-sacrificing love to deal with these issues. So you just let them get away with it uh, now i've told you this morning about about that, that that being false grace and that being false mercy and that leads to the harm of the recipients of it because it's based on an authority loving themselves more than loving others a lot of churches do this when they say to us uh we don't tell everybody everything in the bible uh, because we would rather be gracious and merciful and we would say well how is it gracious and merciful to conceal from people things that god have said And what they say is, well, that actually makes people feel uncomfortable. They don't like it. Uh, So we're being gracious and merciful by by keeping them away from that discomfort. Whereas the Bible would actually say, as Christians, our responsibility is to tell them everything, the whole counsel of God, even if people don't necessarily like it. Uh, That's actually false grace and false mercy. But the Bible tells us of true grace and true mercy. And that picks the hard road to address problems head on. Uh, And there is no greater demonstration of this than the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, for the sin of humans we see this in john 3:16, where we read for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life god wanted to show mercy for sinful humans so he did that not by just ignoring the sin that's killing us not by just saying oh i just won't deal with that but actually he directly dealt with that by sending his own son to give His life on the cross, to utterly blot those sins out, and to deal with them finally, once and for all. Jesus showed genuine grace and genuine mercy by paying the price up front, doing the hard thing up front, that we might receive grace and mercy. So if you were here this morning, and you are not a Christian, then the Bible would warn you that you are under the authority of God, and He is a far more just judge than that man Eli ever was. In the Bible, we read, the Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. He is not just going to overlook your sins. Uh, His holy standard is perfection and you have not met his standard. His holy punishment is called the lake of fire and you are destined for it as long as you remain in your sins. However, the good news is that God is, just as he is more just than Eli was, he is also more genuinely gracious and genuinely merciful. Than Eli ever was. Despite your sins against him, God has graciously sent Jesus to die on a cross to save you from your sins. God will mercifully accept anyone who puts their trust in Jesus. God has tackled your sin problem head-on because He genuinely loves you, and His grace and His mercy is available to anyone here today who does not know Jesus Christ today, this morning, to any man or woman who will humble themselves before God and ask for His forgiveness, God has promised to save your soul eternally from that lake of fire. Now, if you're here this morning unsaved and you, you know I am not a Christian, you know I don't have the Holy Spirit inside me, He doesn't guide and direct my thoughts, I've, I've never given my life to Him, then His gracious and merciful call is for you this morning to surrender your life to God. He is actually showing you grace and mercy right now, by giving you one more person, opening this book and warning you and giving you the offer. And one day, whether you accept his offer today or not, this sermon will come up again for you. It will be mentioned. When you stand before God and you are judged and you say, how can you judge me for this? He will list off all the times he was gracious and merciful to you and he warned you that your sins would damn you and that only Jesus could save you. God has sent you a servant, He has explained His commands to you, but now God requires a response. What will you do this day? The Bible tells us how you can respond. It says this, it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, if you be willing to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He is Lord, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation." If you believe that, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He came, that He died for your sins, and that God rose Him up from the dead, and if you're willing to confess that with your mouth because you believe it in your heart, then you can leave this building this day, 100% right with God, and that's where it all begins. That's not just that. That's not even just a box checked, and then you walk off to the rest of your life. The Lord puts the Holy Spirit inside you. Uh, he adds you to a church family. Uh, He would have you baptized, and then He has something He wants you to do. And that's why you're here this morning. That's why you are here on this planet. That is the meaning of life, the universe, and everything, that you would accept Jesus Christ, and that then you would serve Him till you die, and then He would take you to be with Him for all eternity. So I, I beg you, please, do not leave this building today without accepting His grace and His mercy if you do not know it already. Now, if you were here this morning and you are a Christian, uh, then I trust this will have encouraged you to take seriously that responsibility for anybody that you have under your authority. Uh, You are an instrument of God's grace and genuine love to those in your charge. Uh, God loves them so much that He sent them you and put you over the top of them so that you could treat them as a valuable son and daughter who it's worth putting in the hard yards for. Uh, And that that you're going to be the one that will put what's best for them above what your flesh wants. Brethren, are you showing the grace and mercy of God? Or are you showing the grace and mercy of Eli? Trust you can see from the Bible, Eli's way doesn't work. Yeah, in fact, it doesn't just affect Eli. It doesn't just affect the people. There's a generational effect that comes from, from just kicking that can down the road. It didn't help Eli in the long run. It didn't help his sons. We need to feel more than sentiment for anyone in our care. And when you hold folks to account, you are displaying genuine, biblical, Christ-like love. Uh, let's pray, brethren, and, and we'll be done. We give you thanks, our Lord and our God, uh, for what you have shown us here from your word. Lord, we're so grateful uh, for your grace and your mercy towards us. Lord, our sins, uh, are so many that we, we, we've lost count, Lord. Uh, you've put them all under the blood of your Son, the Lord Jesus, so we give you the thanks and praise for that. We pray you'd help us to show your grace and your mercy to those that are around us. We pray you'd help us to love those under our care and charge, we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen.